Welcome to Transit Unplugged. I'm your host, Paul Comfort, and this is another edition of Comfort's Corner, where we bring you the inside story and what's happening in and around the transit industry. Great to be with you on this second week of June 2021. Today's going to be a great program, just a short news brief, and then two interviews with newsmakers sharing their views. And that's Corey Shrigley with Saskatoon Transit and Candace Moore, Manager of Fleet Services for the Ride at the Ann Arbor Area Transportation Authority. It's going to be a different take on things. We've taken uh, a turn this week to turn into some of the technology behind how we're running our transportation systems, and both these are fascinating interviews and discussions about how that happens. Uh, Over the next few weeks, we're going to be traveling around the world on our Transit Unplugged interviews with interviews from uh, Mr. Naif Hoyle, the Executive General Manager of the Transport Authority of Saudi Arabia. That'll be our guest on the next program uh, on the 16th of June. And then for our Comforts Corner show on the 23rd, we have Stuart Mater who is the Mr. Vax Transit, helping people get to there. And then we're going to go over to Great Britain and then maybe into Latin America over the summer. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be getting back on the road. I'll be traveling uh, back on the road in July, starting to do some of these interviews in person. We're also going to make some changes in the podcast, and I'll tell you all about that at the end of today's program. So make sure you stay tuned and listen to the entire program as we talk about uh, changes coming to the Transit Unplugged podcast starting this July. And now a look at the headline news for today really is one big news story, and that's coming out of Washington, D.C. There's been lots of uh, financial bill packages moving around the House and the Senate here in the United States. Uh, But I can tell you that uh, one that kind of hit with a loud thud that was heard positively around the industry was the House of Representatives Transportation, the Committee on Transportation and Infrastructure, Chairman Peter DeFazio, along with the subcommittee chairs, introduced what they're calling the Invest in America Act last week, which provides $547 billion for surface transportation infrastructure over the next five years, including $109 billion for public transit and $95 billion for passenger and rail freight. These historic investments in public transit and passenger rail are even greater than the the investments included in last year's proposed bill. Now, it's still got to go through, you know, the, the full House and the Senate, but it's a great start. Uh, for us to uh, continue this federal investment here in the United States in public transit. We, of course, will keep you in tune as that bill rolls through Congress. Thanks for being with us today on this episode of Transit Unplugged. I know that you'll enjoy it. Hi, I'm Paul Comfort. Great to be with you on another edition of Comfort's Corner. Today we have with us, we're going to do an in-depth interview on something we haven't really focused on here on Transit Unplugged before, and that is on maintenance. Maintenance, as you know, is a big part of our operations in public transportation. I'm excited to have with us on our newsmaker hotline, Candace Moore, who's Manager of Fleet Services for the Ann Arbor Area Transportation Authority in Michigan. Thank you so much, Candace, for being with us. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, um, I guess I'd like to get started our, our discussions. Just maybe tell me a little bit about yourself and your transit agency and what you do there. 
Uh, so I'm Candace Moore. I've been in fleet management for a little over 15 years. I'm actually fairly new to the public sector. I come from the private sector. I've been in uh, public transportation now going on three years. Um, and then I oversee the fleet maintenance department I, for, the, for the ride. Um, we have about 155 vehicles in our fleet. We have 103 40-foot buses that serves the Ann Arbor community and Ypsilanti community also. That's great. And so in your role there as manager of fleet services, you oversee all the mechanics and kind of what's happening there and the outcomes? Yes, I oversee the parts department, paint and body shop, the bus ITS uh, technicians, as well as the fleet technicians, and then the service crew that clean and service our vehicles. That's awesome. So um, one of the reasons that you came to our attention was how you're using key performance indicators to manage the work in the maintenance shop. Tell us about that. Um, so... Data and metrics are usually a scary word for, for most folks, um, but it, it's a good way to track processes and procedures. So you manage the processes and procedures, and then you'll get the data that you're looking for. But the only way that you're able to identify that there's issues is to follow the data. So I, when I first came into the organization, EAM was a fairly new software program that we were using. So we had to do a little bit of work to ensure that we had accurate data in that process and working with one of the EAM technical um, specialists. Technical staff, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we identified some, some areas that needed some, some work uh, within our system so that we had accurate data. Um, so from there, I just used some of the basic fleet management KPIs that are pretty uh, standard across the industry. We put those into EAM, and then from there, I was able to identify issues that we were having with some of our processes and procedures, and we've seen an improvement since we've been, been able to set up a dashboard in EAM so that I could track the, the progress on how we're doing. That's great. I remember uh, back earlier in my career, I was helping to manage uh, a large paratransit system in the Washington, D.C. area, and one of the things I oversaw was quality assurance, and I, we had, I had a dozen garages that I oversaw uh, operations in. And I remember going through with some of our QA people doing an audit of the maintenance shop and being very surprised to find that all the records were paper. <laughs> and this wasn't that long ago, uh, you know, and, and they were all paper. Nothing had been automated. I just could not believe it. And I was like, how can you track this? And of course the paper files were incomplete, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, just the first step, of having a transit agency, having everything automated. I mean, that's that's a big first step, right? Yes, we we used a lot of paper as well. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a big change, so we had to do some change management um, transitioning into the to the software suite that we're using. And then tell me about the KPIs you're using, and then how are they helping you manage uh, and get better outcomes? Uh, so we use a variety of them, uh, and we never want to just follow just metric and data just because we want to actually identify ones that would be useful to improve efficiency and productivity within the department. And then with the FTA, you have some that you have to be compliant with, such as PM compliance. So, I, you know, I follow the work orders open by time. That gives me an idea on how long a work order has been sitting, which would be, you know, is this unit out of service for more than 10 days? If so, why? That means we need to start looking into other ways to improve the efficiency there. You know, and then I've got the scheduled versus non-scheduled 
which is also termed, termed uh, reactive versus proactive. Ideally, you want to be a little bit higher on your proactive, which would be your preventative maintenance versus your uh, reactive maintenance. Right. We can use that to identify if we have a good PM program, a preventative maintenance program, or if we see more miles between breakdowns because we're not catching things when we should, or what's what's kind of going on there. And then uh, a couple other ones that I, I watch is my direct versus indirect time. Uh, ideally, you want a technician to be at least 80% of their time focused on some sort of an asset work. And then we have our backlog. So how long am I waiting for parts or repairs or what's kind of going on? Because that affects the um, availability of our units. Right. And I guess all of that added together helps you improve your mean distance between failures, right? Yes. So they each kind of, they all kind of align for the for the main goals to prevent these breakdowns so that we have the, the optimal operation experience for our operations team. And, and what is, can you tell us, you know, a story or what have the results been as you've been focused on this? Uh, a few different areas. Uh, so uh, standard repair times are another one, but it's not a KPI that I watch, but we've implemented some of these standard repair times. And this, this improves our work orders open by time. So instead of having a preventative maintenance inspection take three days. And I, now I've got three days with one less unit. We've been able to identify areas to improve on our repair time processes to improve that standard repair time, which will now we're going from three days to one day with repairs. That's two days sooner that we can get that unit available for the operations team. That's awesome. And and uh, that helps obviously with your spare ratio and everything, right? Yes. Yeah. I know that FTA doesn't like folks to have uh, really big spare ratios. I remember when I was at Baltimore MTA, we had maybe, I don't know, I'm trying to remember this was four years ago, but maybe 560 buses at peak. And we had um, way over our, our standard uh, <laughs> uh, fleet ratio uh, for spares. And uh, they were concerned about that in, our, in uh, some of the meetings they had with us. But similar issues, right? So if, in order to keep the vehicles turning in the shop, you're watching the KPIs that helps you reduce your mean distance between failure. And it also helps you stay within the FTA allotted and your state allotted spare ratios. What a wonderful story, Candace. Is there anything else you'd like to close out with as a message for other fleet managers around the country or around the world? Um, you know, I would, I would say that KPIs and, and metrics and data, they're, they're a good thing to have in your fleet management system but they're not a by-the-book concrete. They need to be flexible. The, the use of them is to, to ensure that you're improving and they're not kind of one of those I gotcha moments. Um, and don't ever set any, don't set more than what you can actually keep up with. You want to keep it to about five at the most um, and make sure that there's value and that they align with the, the vision of the organization as a whole. That's great advice. Yeah, I think. Uh having their key performance indicators, right? So you can have a lot of performance indicators, but the key ones are what your staff will focus on. So you need to keep it down to a reasonable amount. I, and I really like your comments about, you know, not using it, uh, you know, metaphorically as a club to beat people with, uh, you know, uh, you, you want to use it to help improve performance, not make people scared of them. You want them to see them as something that can improve their their life and their jobs. So thank you so much, Candace Moore, Manager of Fleet Services for the Ride at Ann Arbor Area Transportation Authority. Thank you for being a guest today and a newsmaker guest 
on Transit Unplugged. Thanks, Paul. And now we go from Ann Arbor, Michigan to Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. We hear from Corey Shrigley of Saskatoon Transit. In this excerpt of his Think Transit talk about opening the data box, we learn how the city of Saskatoon and Saskatoon Transit were able to keep buses running for essential workers during the pandemic using passenger and driver data. And we learned how a simple mask non-compliance button was able to help city health officials target pandemic education right to the neighborhoods that needed it most. So uh, to get going here, uh, for the first several years, um, Saskatoon Transit was uh, looking at some accurate, a need for an accurate data collections tool that we could um, really use not only a dashboard, but uh, uh, data analytics that we could really explore, uh, not on an annual basis, but uh, more regularly looking at data even on a daily basis um, that would allow us to configure reports um, that we could be more hands-on. And uh, we had a history of not opening the box. So looking back, even though we had learned a lot of lessons with uh, um, implementing Transit Master, uh, up, doing some version upgrades, that uh, the tendency was to be reluctant, maybe it was out of fear or making up excuse about not uh, exploring what the box had in store for us. And so the challenge for us when we approached Viewpoint was, was getting that box open. Uh, Viewpoint had thousands of options for us. Uh, we, we saw the potential, but again, we were reluctant and really didn't know where to even begin. So when we uh, explored this um, viewpoint, we went, um, as I mentioned, we had already implemented Transit Master, and uh, we knew that we had to uh, identify our, our, our key stakeholders. We knew that the customer was the, the uh, end user, that they would receive a lot of what went into Viewpoint, but uh, as well, there was a lot of uh, stakeholders involved, um, our comm supervisors, our IT, our planning staff, our customer service and operators. And so uh, one of the, the, the good things we did early on was identifying our super users. So uh, we had no idea that COVID was coming. We had rolled this out and we were starting to collect full data already uh, thinking that we would use it as normal, uh, understanding where our buses had reached capacity. Uh, and then in March, we discovered a redefinition of full bus. Uh, our university was closed in a matter of, uh, with maybe a one week warning. Um, our capacity limits were changed from 15, from full bus standing room only to down to 15 passengers per bus. But we were also, realizing that our our customers were wanting were needing uh to travel service needed to stay on the road uh we couldn't take buses off the road and we needed to we were maximizing that capacity very quickly uh we had uh, people traveling to work um there was essential services and so we were this data of full bus was becoming even more valuable to us uh than it did before where we we had a pretty good idea of where our buses would be full uh with our with our at our peak hours mm -hmm. 
And so uh, there was also a need to look at this data to start thinking about how we could address our frequency and service challenges. So uh, we started to do that. We uh, we did a comparison of pre-March, and you could see where typically we were seeing a morning peak and an afternoon peak. Uh, this was just some preliminary data that we were getting from our operators. But in March, we we went to our operations and said, we need you to push that button regularly. Uh, so the process was quite simple. They would they would uh, reach, you know, 15 or 20 passengers, whatever uh, was allowable for social distancing, and they would notify a supervisor and push the button. And we started to receive uh, very accurate data that you can see in the second screen. Uh, what's uh, quite amazing about this is we could break it down to route to time of day and we could filter out uh, Monday to Friday as well as our Saturday and Sunday peaks. And so um, within a few days, we were seeing a shift from our, our normal peak to what became uh, kind of our new normal, which is from 11 a.m. to about 6 p.m. So the benefits of this ad adaptation of what we hadn't really thought the button would be used for is uh, that operators could respond to a full bus in real time. We were actually using the data uh, on a daily basis and we could adjust our routes and frequency. As well, we, we had the ability to, to actually put out, uh, change our service using our spare board. We could take uh, our extra routes that would have been used for our university and, and other high frequency corridors and we could adapt those routes and put them onto the routes that needed that extra service. And uh, again, the demand has clearly shifted to um, a more of a demand uh, during the, the off-peak hours during the day. Uh, something we did, I think this might've been our own configuration or this might've been out of the box, but we did, uh, customize it again, and that is a heat map by time of day. And mm -hmm. so, uh, going back to to really using our super users and uh, end users, involving them early on in the process, we actually were able to configure some of these reports on our own. And uh, years ago, we would have had to reach out to Trapeze and ask for their help, or we might not have even uh, made that attempt. But now with uh, a better understanding of the ca capability of viewpoint we were able to start using heat maps such as this and we could really drill down on where that extra service was needed uh, throughout the day mm -hmm. so uh, one other spin-off that came out of uh, covid was something that uh, an another addition additional button that we added and that was a a uh, mass non-compliance MDT button. And so actually our own IT uh, introduced the button within, a, I believe it took about 24 hours where we could add the button to the favorites folder. And we saw this opportunity where if we're tracking full buses, why not track uh, non-compliance problems? So we're able to take the data that you see, uh, we could identify where the the non-compliance issues were, 
and which routes they belong to and overlay that with our fare box and our APC data. Oh. And we were able to calculate uh, a percentage of non-compliance. And so we actually were, uh, we have been steady at approximately 98, 99%. Uh, we've done really well uh, by troubleshooting those problematic routes. And uh, this data could be used as we uh, inform city council, our advocacy groups, and our own uh, operator group about uh, uh, how we are doing in the area of mass compliance. Uh, one last uh, communication that we did is we, we came up with the idea of a mass bus and we actually would take the bus and position it in those areas that were uh, an issue and it became a conversation piece. We just recently uh, have started asking customers to, to do selfies and they receive a, a free mask when they submit a photo of themselves in the bus. And this is Tony, our customer service supervisor, who, who is uh, part of uh, our, our, uh, our customer service team. So this was one, one uh, area how we took the viewpoint data and adapted it. In just, a, I just want to close with a few takeaways that I believe uh, are are really valuable for us to um, to remember. And uh, I've only talked about really two buttons on the MDT, but uh, because of this this groundwork that we've done, we are able to start thinking of all the other MDT buttons that are yet to be introduced and to start uh, to start using that data further. Uh, so data collection is a, and anal analysis is powerful. It's, uh, it's very powerful and effective. So uh, we need to start looking at the data. The more we trust it, the more we, we look at it, we can start making um, we don't have to wait three or four months out. We can start using that data even in the moment. As well, our end users, uh, our operators, provide us uh, important insight and value. So we need to realize that um, data is not just on the management side, but it, it begins and ends. It, it really begins from the operator's perspective. Um, our bus is out there collecting a lot of data that we can be used. and um, and we can use it in real time. Uh, as well, COVID allowed us this opportunity to use our technology in, in responding to real situations. Uh, again, um, taking it out of the box, there's an intent and purpose, but it can be adapted, it can be used, and uh, there's so many ways that, um, the more we use it, I think the more we're gonna see ways that Viewpoint can service our customer benefit not only our customer, but um, our our business. And then uh, lastly, uh, our goal was to continue to put out service. We at Saskatoon Transit really wanted to uh, meet the demand. We had customers uh, thanking us, appreciating the buses out there during COVID when, when literally our city was shut down, but they were providing essential service. And and Viewpoint helped us meet that goal of, of putting out the right amount of service during COVID. And now we hear from Alea Carey, talking about something to advertise your transit agency that you may not have thought of recently, radio. She gives you why it's great, 
how to get started, and some tips on effective radio ads. Hi, I'm Alea Carey, a communications consultant who loves working with public transit agencies. Radio ads are a cost-effective and creative way to reach large, yet targeted, audiences. I've always been a big fan of the medium and think it has some powerful benefits for the promotion of public transportation. According to a 2019 Nielsen study, over 90% of Americans listen to the radio every week. Sure, that's a pre-pandemic statistic, but another study from 2020 really caught my attention. Despite the prevalence of streaming services and the rise of podcasts, Nielsen learned during the pandemic that more than 90% of the work-from-home crowd had their radios tuned in every week. If you're thinking about buying radio now, here are some tips. Radio is cheap, which is good, because it does take a while for radio messages to sink in. Nobody deeply studies what's playing on the radio the way they might read information on your website, so you need to buy a lot of spots. Look for low-cost, multiple-play advertising packages on three- and six-month contracts to get the best coverage. If you can, buy in drive time or sponsor traffic reports. There's no better time to convert drivers to riders than when they're stuck in a jam. If you'd like to talk more about radio or anything else related to communications and public transit, look me up on LinkedIn. My first name is spelled E-L-E-A, last name C-A-R-E-Y. Thanks for being with us today on the podcast. I'm Paul Comfort, your host. And today on the future public transportation segment, I want to tell you some about some changes we have planned for our podcast. This is my birthday week, and it's exciting to celebrate with my family, but also exciting to think back about a lot of the great fun we've had on the podcast over the last few years together. You may know we are now ranked number one in the world for interviews with transit executives, uh, Prior to COVID, I was able to actually personally visit and do the interviews in person, and I visited uh, over 60 transit systems around the world, Australia, Europe, United Kingdom, United States, Canada, and uh, had a great time doing it and and meeting the CEOs, a lot of times teaching classes to the staff at the agencies I was at, touring the operations, bringing some of my colleagues with me. It's a great time. Of course, COVID required us to stop all the traveling and... um, You might recall that my book, The Future of Public Transportation, was launched in March of 2020, uh, and we had a worldwide book tour scheduled for it, and I only got to do the very first one in my hometown, uh, book signing, but that was fun, but uh, everywhere else I wanted to go, you know, all over the world, Singapore, everywhere, had to cancel it all because of COVID, and so we went to uh, kind of recording these uh, via Zoom and Teams, et cetera, and now that we're uh, hopefully coming out of the COVID pandemic, we're going to be going back to more in-person visits uh, where I can actually interview the person, you know, in their own office, tour their operation, plan to do so. And Louisville, Kentucky, TARC would be one that will be coming up uh, in July. But we're also going to make some other changes to the podcast. You might recall that around the same time I launched my book and COVID hit in March of 2020, we also decided to do a personal project. And that project was to inform the transit industry about how different transit agencies were responding to the COVID pandemic, and also to talk about what the latest findings were, et cetera, because this was an existential impact on our industry where ridership was dropping dramatically. People were having to shut down services due to the government-mandated shutdowns of businesses and downtown areas, et cetera. So on my own, I started the Comforts Corner podcast. 
it, I gave it that title because it was just for me, you know, two people who wanted to listen about what was happening in the industry as I tried to shine a light on the practices that were going on uh, at various transit systems. So I started it out daily, and then it went to several times a week. And finally, uh, my boss at the time at Trapeze asked, hey, do you mind if we fold that under the Transit Unplug rubric, so to speak? Uh, at the time, we were doing two Transit Unplug shows um, a month, and these were you know, the long-form interviews that I think you've come to know and love. And this would be different. This would be like news, um, maybe readings from my book, The Future of Public Transportation, since that had come out. And since I wasn't able to go around the world, I wanted my listeners to kind of hear some of the great chapters that 40 of the world's leading experts had written for the book. And by the way, it still stands up. Most of it is very, over 90%, I think, is still right on point in their predictions in this book. Uh, and then, um, uh, so we did fold it under. And so we basically then had a show uh, where at first I was doing more often, but then it kind of settled into an every other week cadence. And that's where we've been. Transit Unplugged, the long form interviews uh, or the in-depth interviews with the transit executives remains very popular. It's ranked, you know, uh, at the very top of this type of podcast around the world. As a matter of fact, we just won uh, a Quill podcast award. I don't know if you saw that, but we were in the top five business podcasts in the world and the top five uh, branded podcasts. Uh, and we'll find out if we're actually ranked number one very soon. But uh, there are, you know, all these people that listen to the show around the world and uh, these in-depth interviews. And then the Comfort Corner version was, as you know, as today's episode is, first some headline news and then a newsmaker interview with someone who maybe does not have to be a CEO, but is a newsmaker in the transit industry. We've had some great guests uh, from, you know, transit agencies, planning organizations, today's show, which we kind of getting a little bit more into depth into, into some technology issues. Uh, and so we're, we're um, working with the formula of the podcast some. And then, of course, there's a future public transportation segment where we'd like to take a look at the future, which is what we're doing right now. So, But we are going to change this starting July 1st. I think you'll like the changes we're going to make. These are what I would call improvements uh, to the podcast. One is we're actually going to make the names align. And so we're pulling my name off the Comfort Corner podcast. It's all right. You know, I'm good with it, actually. In case I ever want to do something else on my own with that title. That actually title came from, I did radio for 16 years at WCTR uh, AM 1530 in Chestertown, Maryland, and had a program called Comfort's Corner, kind of like a Paul Harvey news and comment show. So I just, you know, uh, brought that back for this podcast. And I may want to do something in the future on that on my own uh, at some point. So for the this this podcast, Transit Unplugged, we're going to try to align the names. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, my uh, Our new producer and I have been talking about this. And so, so we're going to change the name of the program for the Every other week, executive CEO interview, it'll be called Transit Unplugged In-Depth. And then for the Every Other Week program, which is now Comfort's Corner, starting July 1st, that'll be changed to Transit Unplugged News and Views, which kind of better encapsulates what it's going to be, right? So people can see, okay, this is still Transit Unplugged. This one is an in-depth interview. That's the in-depth one. And then the News and Views will be just that news from the industry, and then views from someone else who's a newsmaker in the industry. To have on alternating weeks, Alea Carey's Messaging Minute, Mike's Minute, or something like that, uh, where we'll have some other smaller one to two minute segments from other people in the industry, bringing you kind of a different view on things or some new information, important information you may want to know. In addition, we're going to be trying on some new graphics for the show. Uh, also, we'll have some new bumper music, the, the music that brings you in and out of the show. Uh, and then also, um, 
Tris Hussey, who is our producer, is writing a blog post now uh, with every podcast. So you can get more in-depth information about it on our Trapeze website. And we'll most likely link it to the transitunplugged.com website as well, because some people want to get a little more in-depth about our guests, um, what they're doing, where they're at, maybe some short video clips or audio clips that you could share. That's another thing you can do to help us. I thank you, all of you who helped um, submit our name to the Quill podcast to nominate us for the awards. We've got a few more awards programs we may ask you to do the same for. Uh, keep an eye out on my LinkedIn page, Paul Comfort, or uh, our Transit Unplugged Through Trapeze page to look at that and to see if you can help us be nominated for some of these top international awards for podcasts. Um, but uh, yeah, so the blog post is going to, Trish writes it, and it just takes an in-depth look at things. And we want to encourage you to share this with your network. Our podcast is heard, as you know, now in 100 countries around the world. Can you believe it? And uh, But you can help actually even spread the message. If you like what you're hearing, you think it's helpful, uh, feel free to take, a li- take the link that I put out every Wednesday with our podcast and just share it uh, with your network on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Facebook. Let's spread the news about public transportation, especially coming out of COVID when we really need to uh, encourage more people to ride. We're going to be continuing to shine the light on industry leaders and best practices. And you can help us multiply the impact of our message by sharing the podcast with your group. Also, if I can be of any help to your transit agency, um, perhaps speaking to your staff at a staff meeting about future trends and what's happening right now in the industry, feel free to reach out to me at paul.comfort at trapezegroup.com. It's no charge. Happy to drop in via Zoom or potentially even come and interview your CEO for our podcast or some of your leaders. Thanks so much for being with us every week. If it's Wednesday, it's Transit Unplugged. I'm Paul Comfort. Stay safe out there.